0: Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 4:25 to 32. So therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Welcome, everyone. It's nice to see all of your faces. We're going to be getting into a lot of imperatives here this morning, for but it's for those who are in Christ, and that's something very important to remember, to remember that this is a letter written to those united in Christ. It isn't for those outside of Christ. So those outside of Christ, as we will read in the scriptures, do give opportunity to the devil, but those who are in Christ, give no opportunity to the devil, verse 27. They put off their old self, verse 22, and they put on their new self, verse 24. And this is to be an active exercise of who we are in Christ. Now, Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 12 remember that you are at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That Now we are new creations. We are a new self. And we have been regenerated and things are different for us now. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, that in Christ we are new, we are made new, created in the likeness of God, regenerated, reborn in the likeness of Christ and as regenerated people, there needs to be a conduct that then becomes consistent with who we are in Christ. And here are these imperatives Paul recorded for us in verses 25 through 32. A description of putting off that old self and putting on the new self for those of us who are in Christ. That's really important to understand that Paul didn't get into any of these imperatives until the latter part of chapter 4 here. And that's not what being in Christ is about. Paul invested more than the first half of his letter to the Ephesians addressing who God is, why God did what he did, what Jesus Christ did for us before he wrote any of these imperatives that we're going to get to this morning. And to make sure that we're not just about do's and don'ts in the Christian life. The focus is to look at Almighty God, who invites us into his kingdom, gifting us his grace, which saves us. That God extended an invitation to adopt us as his children, redeeming us from sin, redeeming us from darkness, that through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to be raised from death to life, to move from darkness to light and to be seated with him in our new identity with Christ. So more than half of the letter is about who God is, what God did, why God did it. Before we get into any of this Christian conduct that we're going to be talking about, we have to remember this. We've invested since October of 2020 studying up on all of this Background before getting into Christian conduct. So if it, don't, don't become legalistic or, or rules-driven now. Right? We, we spent since October, so if you're just jumping in recently or if you're just jumping in today, without all of that foundation that was laid since October, you might misunderstand even this message, this sermon, or even from this point on when we're talking about Ephesians. You need to get that background so that that foundation is there for us. How to be a Christian is found in chapters 1 through 3. So don't skip over all of that and then jump right here into the latter part of chapter 4. Please do not tell people what they should and shouldn't do according to chapter 4 when they don't know chapters 1 through 3. Do not do that. Verses 25 through 32 do not save you. They do not regenerate you. You cannot earn your way to God. God saved you, and the evidence is that you are born again, and you are a new creation, a new self. You put off that old self. You put on the new self. And verses 25 through 32 is how you do that. But you're already saved through Jesus Christ, chapters 1 through 3, if you are in Christ. And it's not these actions that you find here in 25-32 through that save you. Jesus Christ saved you, not your actions to do these things. Now, The verses we're looking at today are what discipleship looks like for those who are in Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that these verses give us instructions as to what to put off and what to put on. It's not all about what we put off, nor is it all about what we put on. We do both of those things. These are the things that we actively put off, and these are the things that we actively put on. You'll also notice that what we practice in discipleship is in the context of community. We are to be in relationship with other people. To practice putting off that old self and putting on that new self requires to live with others that we need each other to iron all of these things out, to practice willfully and joyfully what God has laid out for us in His Word, such as that what, we, what we have here in verses 25 through 32. People tend to think that the Bible is really restrictive on one's life, that it's just a set of rules. And that is not the case. Look at Psalm chapter 119, verse 45, and it reads this. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. There is freedom when walking in God's precepts. In God's precepts, we're giving, given a spiritual direction to, as to where to walk and where not to walk, which, which gives us everlasting purpose. It gives us direction, fulfillment. And without it, you're aimless. You're aimless. Where where are you going? Where's the path? What's the point? You're just blindly wandering, spiritually lost. Is that really freedom? Being lost? Being spiritually lost is a life and death situation and you can survive a while while you're lost at sea. But it's not forever. You don't have forever. My father he went into the ER last week with chest pain. He's in his mid-80s and, and when he got admitted to the hospital waiting for surgery, I was chatting with him and he, he has no worry whatsoever. And he kept telling me, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, and I had to tell him like, God, uh, uh, Dad, I'm not worried at all, like you're, you're in Christ. And you've you brought me to Christ, right? You, you've been on this journey for a long time, your whole life. and." you know where you're going. He, he's been walking in a wide place because he has sought God's precepts. He's been through a lot of adventures with God and some of them more fun than others, but he, know where he, he knows where he's ultimately going. What we have in the first and the larger half of Ephesians are indicatives. They're not the imperatives. The second half, the smaller half, are the imperatives. And we have to remember this order, that the indicatives, who who God declares himself to be, what he has decided to do, and his declaration of why he did it comes before the imperatives, the the rules. Ephesians is not a how-to guide on becoming a Christian. That's not what it is. It's a description of the life of those who are in Christ who have been saved by grace through faith. Verse 25, it reads, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Speak the truth with his neighbor. And so you, you see that we don't live in isolation. We live this Christian life in community. That we... Speak with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. See, our place in the family of God is is with each other, with one another. And if we don't speak the truth about God, we'll exchange it for a lie. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Putting off the old self is putting away falsehood. Putting on the new self is speaking the truth. In verse 21, Paul wrote, The truth is in Jesus, and we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 3. That's our charge. And that unity is based on trust. And you can't have trust without truth. False teachers are like their father, the devil, they lie. They're crafty, they're deceitful, and the Ephesians were surrounded by false teachers in their day, just like we are today here in the Bay Area. And the Word of God tells us the truth, and the more we exchange that truth for a lie with that world out there, with that culture out there, God will give those people up to the lust of their hearts to impurity. We are to... Put away falsehood. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And you notice that this doesn't say, don't be angry, which I'm very thankful for because it happens to me. But anger can be a very appropriate emotion. It is a, a, an appropriate emotion to be angry for the right reasons and about the right things. And it's fine to be angry, but it's not fine to sin. And a lot of times that's my issue. It says be angry and do not sin. You have to wonder when anger is absent from a Christian, you have to wonder if that person even has a pulse, right? Because how can that even be? Back to Psalm 119 again. This time in verse 53, it reads this. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Indifference to the law of God is not a sign that we are tolerant people or that we are spiritually mature people, that that we have evolved into very mature Christians. Because mature Christians realize that sin separates people from God. That sin is a sentence to eternal darkness, to eternal death. How do we regard the law of God? How have we become irreverent to it? Have we become numb to the rampant sin that is around us? And I would say to many, yes, we have. We're not angry at sin. And sometimes I find Christians angrier about other issues than they are about sin. We're not to be tolerant of sin, but many have compromised with that of the cultural values around us or or the beliefs around us. Many have been caught up with accepting what the world and the culture have given us rather than the word of God, God's truth. The thing is, is that God won't fight you about the truth. The truth is His. The truth is truth. There's nothing to fight with you about. God will give up people to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies when they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And there are appropriate times to be angry. Anger against sin is Proper, and sometimes Christians are, are known for inappropriate emotions of anger, unfortunately, that in the anger they, they sin, even though the scriptures say, be angry and do not sin. When Christians act out in their anger, sometimes they sin. That is wrong. And when Christians attempt to justify their actions, but it's really being self-righteous and it's sin, angri- angrily acting out out of hostility, bitterness towards people is sin. Acting out in revenge is sin. It says be angry and do not sin. What happens when we don't put away the old self and put on the new self? What happens when we don't put away falsehood and put on truth? What happens when we aren't angry about sin or we are angry and sin? we give opportunity to the devil. And that is verse 27 where it reads, and give no opportunity to the devil. Now it's obvious that these aren't the only things that give opportunity to the devil. But what we do know is that this gives opportunity to the devil in verse 26. That this opportunity the devil will take comes right after verse 26 of be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And it's not exclusively verse 26 that gives opportunity to the devil, but it sure does give opportunity to the devil. Now, anger is a very tricky emotion. It can be channeled for good, and it can be easily channeled for evil. And the devil is waiting for the opportunity for us to slip towards sinful anger. Do not let this sun go down on your anger. So don't harbor anger in your heart, in your mind. And when we do that, it's not possible to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, back to verse 3. When we can't maintain the unity of spirit in anger, that's, that's an impossibility, there is no bond of peace in anger. And the devil sees this wide open opportunity to disrupt that unity when that sinful anger is present in us. And he has experienced generations of people to recognize that unrighteous anger is indeed in us. Be angry and do not sin. And if we don't heed this teaching, we're leaving ourselves susceptible to The devil and sometimes we we allow the anger to harbor inside of us and if we aren't able to deal with it properly, it just eats away at us. One of the sad things about this is that it's not even paying rent to occupy your mind. You realize that? It's just living there rent-free, utility-free, insurance-free, just taking up all that space in your heart and mind and it's time to kick it out. That, that, That person you're angry at has power over you. And that's probably the most angry thing. And sometimes you don't even know them. Think about this. That person that drives in a way that offends you, you don't know them. You don't know them at all. But they have power over you to control your emotions. Isn't that strange? Or maybe you do know that person you're angry at, and they have power over your emotions, and they don't even know that you're angry at them, and yet they have power over you. And so you see how powerful the power of forgiveness is, is, is that it frees you. It evicts them out of your head. It gets them out of your heart and you might have reasons why you can't forgive and you have excuses as why you won't forgive but the longer you don't forgive the longer they stay inside of your head rent-free occupying that space and in fact it's even worse than them just staying there in your head they're messing things up while they're in there how can we forgive others Well, we need to look at our own offenses toward God and and realize all that God has forgiven us. And we also need to look at the offenses of those who are most dear to you, that you love the most, and how they offended God and recognize God extends forgiveness toward them. Those who are in Christ put off falsehood and put on truth. We're angry and we do not sin. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Those who are in Christ put off stealing and they put on working. We are to put off falsehood and put on truth. Now, what is really behind stealing? Discontentment? Greed? Slothfulness? It's a totally different story if you can't work because of a disability or some other legitimate and truthful reason. But if you are a person who can work, you are to work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And those of us who are able to work, we need to look at that latter part of verse 28 as to why we work so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is why we work. Now, People who steal aren't the ones who deal, aren't the only ones who deal with discontentment, greed, and laziness. People who work deal with these sins just as much. I found actually that people who have very little are just as generous with those who have a lot. Sometimes even more so. Right? There there was a time when parking meters only accepted coins. I don't know if you guys remember a time like that, but there was a time that it only accepted coins, and I didn't always have coins. Berkeley's horrible for that. They should just have change machines. They would make a lot of money. Back then, not now. But during that time, I would go scouring around for coins, and I'd ask local businesses. Can I just have a quarter? I just need to run this errand. I don't want to pay the $40 ticket. And can I have a quarter? More times than not, they're like, get out of here. No, you can't have it. Whatever. I've had more homeless people offer me their change when they notice me walking around aimlessly looking for change to pay a meter. More, more times than other people giving me change. So we don't work to just accumulate more stuff. We work to have something to share with anyone in need. And those in Christ, we, we put off hoarding. We don't hoard stuff. We put on sharing. We, we put off selfishness and we put on generosity. We put off Taking and we put on giving. And this is part of us being members of one another so that we continually encourage one another to put off that old self and to put on this new self, to support one another in these good works to discourage one another from harmful practices, to pray with one another in these matters, to listen to the Word of God being taught together so that we're on the same page together and in unity and we don't practice these things in isolation. And so this is why it's so important for us to come back together at church, to be together, for we are members one another. To to speak the truth with your neighbor, to share with anyone in need, to encourage one another to put off that old self, to put on the new self, that we're no longer who we once were and we're not quite who we are going to be just yet, but we're working on it. We're justified, but we're not fully sanctified, that that's a process, and we're becoming more like Christ, that we're still under construction, and while we're undergoing this construction, we're putting off that falsehood, we're putting on truth, putting off anger that combines us with sin, and putting on anger in a righteous and sinless way, putting off stealing, putting on honest work so that we can share with anyone in need, putting off corrupt talk, putting on talk that builds up. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Who here hasn't experienced your mouth getting you into trouble? Anybody? Like, I just want to meet you. You're perfect. I want to meet you. Every single one of us, our mouths have gotten us into trouble. The things that come out of this can be so good or can be so bad. James chapter 3, verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. What is corrupting talk? It's the same Greek word used for rotting when describing produce. It's, it's the same word. It's, it's what is no longer fit for use or consumption, that it's, it's worthless, that it's to be discarded. So the talk that tears down is to be put off, and the talk that is good, that is building up, is to be put on. Put on talk that is of unity, That is of purity. Put off talk that divides, that that tears things down. And then the latter part of verse 29, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And that's an important phrase. As fits the occasion that the timing is really important. Sometimes we can say really good things at the wrong time. And sometimes how we say things isn't all that great, even though... It's really true. I've done a lot of relationship counseling, and oftentimes I need to remind people that even though what you say is true, you need to be mindful of how you say it when you say it. That's a big thing. And yes, we are to speak truth, but you need to keep in mind, as fits the occasion. As fits the occasions, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. We have to be mindful of when we speak and who we're speaking to. You might be speaking the absolute truth, but is it the appropriate time? And is it appropriate to speak the truth in front of other people, that you have to be aware of what's happening around there. You don't reprimand your children in front of like a group of people and embarrass them or shame them, or you confront your spouse in a way where there's a crowd and you embarrass them. It says, as fits the occasion. We need to be tactful, we need to be courteous, considerate, kind, gracious. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And it's to be seasoned with salt, not salty. Yeah? Anybody who's cooked, you know how this is? Just a little seasoning. You don't pour the whole thing in. You ruin the whole thing. Now, sometimes people's speech is truthful, but it's very salty. And it needs to be seasoned, seasoned with grace, right? Our speech is to be gracious and seasoned with salt. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. For anyone unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit, we have a series of the Holy Spirit in our sermon archives, so I won't go into great detail here. The Holy Spirit is a person, Someone who can be grieved. Paul mentions in verse 30 that those in Christ were sealed for the day of redemption. We were first introduced to this seal in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit seals us and is our sign that the old self has been put off and the new self is put on. Not only does God forgive us of our trespasses and sins, God also gives us the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. The sign that one has Christ in them is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a person. The Holy Spirit is not some power. It is not some force. He is God, part of the Trinity co-eternal, co-equal to God the Father and God the Son. Now, how is the Holy Spirit grieved? By what is unholy, impure, sinful. Sin doesn't just negatively affect you. It also negatively affects those around you that are in your community. It also grieves the Holy Spirit. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are positive effects to those around us and to us when we, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, what, what comes out of our mouths will not be corrupt, rotten. What comes of our, out of our mouths will bring unity, of the Spirit. It will build up. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and subsequently we experience assurance of salvation. We experience conviction with the sufficiency and reliability of the Word of God. We experience coming together in worship and these are the signs of being sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us with truth and how it is to be applied. And He is dynamic. He's dynamic in how He works in our lives, whether that's yesterday, today, or even tomorrow. That only by the Holy Spirit will someone be able to see God. And if you aren't able to see God today, you need the Holy Spirit to reveal God to you. That's what you need. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And it reads, put off all, all of it. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Put it all away. The gospel is truth. It's not just what we share. It's also how we share it. Not many people want to associate with bitter, slanderous, malicious people. Wrathful, clamorous churches aren't going to attract that many people. That's the old self that needs to be put away. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And then our last verse for today: be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We are to put on kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, to extend kindness to those who are unkind to you, to be tenderhearted towards those who are hardhearted towards you, and you can't forgive unless someone has wronged you right? You can't practice forgiveness unless they've wronged you. And we put this new self on, not because God and Christ forgave us. It's not the reason why we do it. It's as God and Christ forgave you. You you see that there? As God, not because God. As God. As God and Christ forgave you, we are to be Christ-like as Christ. It's not because of what we can get out of it. You know how some people reason in their heads that living like this is good. You know, if you live according to the scriptures, it's a good thing because because it, it yields good things in return. That's not really a promise. I know very, very good people who live very great Christian lives that are going through terrible times. There's no promise of that. Things might actually be worse. The reason why we put on the new self is because we're simply imitating Christ. We're a child of Christ. And it's not because of the benefits we get from it. It's because of who you are. You are a new creation. You are reborn. And this new self is what we are to put on. We've been made new by God, and we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We are eager to maintain unity of the Spirit. There are things of the old self to put off and things of the new self to put on, and that darkness, evil, the devil is looking for opportunities to pull us to our old selves. And it has to be active because inactivity, indifference, or just doing nothing doesn't work. Just look at our natural world. You have to pull out weeds, put off the old self. And you have to cultivate something you want. Otherwise, what happens? The weeds come back. You don't even have to do anything. They just come back. We could be in a drought and they come back. I don't understand how this works. It's amazing. They just come back. That's the spiritual life. You have to put off the weeds and put on the things that you really want. That fruitfulness. That, that whatever is giving you nutrients and is healthy and feeds you. And if you don't do anything, the weeds come back. Let's end with 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. He who is in you is greater than than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, how those who cannot see you or understand you need you so badly today. We ask God that you would touch their hearts. Holy Spirit, we know that you seal us. And we pray that that miracle happens. Supernaturally, we pray that people come to this knowledge of your grace for them, your love for them, that you would empower those in Christ to put off the old self for our minds to be renewed and to put on the new self. And it's a constant battle as the devil is prowling, looking for those opportunities. The prime opportunity is us being angry and sinning. Lord, make us aware, awake of those things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your communion elements, let's take that out. If you don't have that, just put up your hand and and Steph will, will get those communion elements to you. first take out the wafer symbolizing the broken body of Christ. Beautiful symbol that Jesus left for us 2,000 years ago and reminds us to take this until his return. Just a beautiful reminder to us of his great sacrifice to reconcile us to his holiness. And so prior to taking this, please take inventory of your own heart in regards to bitterness, resentment, and that anger that you may be harboring that is causing you to sin, to repent of that first. And as you are ready, let's take this together. Then the fruit of the vine, symbolizing the blood of Christ spilled for us, which forgives us. We await the return of Christ, and let's take this together until his return. Lord Jesus, thank you for communion. So simple, yet so deep and meaningful as to what you've offered us. Lord, help us to be more like you, imitating you. In Jesus' name, amen.